Welcome to the Lemper Report Live. Hope you and yours had a great Memorial Day parade in your hometown to honor and to mourn our U.S. military personnel. The day is a lot more than just hot dogs and sale shopping. Let's remember that. On today's broadcast, new proof that going plant-based can actually lower our cholesterol. Are teens food insecure? The new chat GPT challenge is all about food, and it's not so great. What grocery retailers need to get from TikTok, the White House Digital Challenge, and on the bullseye, is Heinz kidding me? But it's the first of the month, and that means that the Aldi fines for June, they're out. Now, you're going to have to wait until June 14th, but Aldi, once again, is partnering with one of my favorite charities, Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. It's the fifth year of this partnership in order to help find a cure for childhood cancer. And during the entire month of June, Aldi is going to donate 50 cents for every bag of lemons that are sold. That's up to $1 million. And on the 14th, there are seven lemon special Aldi finds in the store. By the way, it's not sold at Aldi yet. But about five years ago, I actually bought Alex's electric juicer. It's made by Proctor Silex, and I love it. It's only about 25 bucks, and it's better than the one that I have that costs three times as much. And the most important thing, it raises money for a great cause. Let's get started. So, Sally, you know, there's a new study that's come out from Denmark um, that talks about, you know, being vegetarian or vegan can help your cholesterol. Um, the researchers looked at the levels of um, LDL, which is the bad cholesterol, and the, the LDL levels dropped 10% and total cholesterol declined 7% for people that were following a plant-based diet as compared to those who eat both meats and plants. So this is yet another reason that we should be going plant-based. Our, our best way of um, helping our cholesterol um, come down and that, you know, that it, that eating plants and eating plant-based diet will not, um, will not do as well of a job as statins will do in lowering your cholesterol. But the idea is that if we can find a combination of those to help people lower their cholesterol, then that's a win-win situation and maybe less medication for as many people. Yeah. And also what I love about this study is they actually based their finding on results from 30 randomized clinical trials that ha had over 2,300 of them published between 1982 and 2022. So this is not one of those studies that have, you know, five people that they're looking at. So what we really want to do is make sure that if you are going to become a vegan or go vegetarian, that you include enough iron, iodine, vitamin B12, and vitamin D in your diet. Um, and also what the study points out is for the majority of us, um, just following the Mediterranean diet is going to have the same effect for us. So yet again, another check mark for Mediterranean diet and, and the way, you know, those Italians eat, uh, the Italians and the Greeks, that's a, a good thing, good and tasty, uh, both. Uh, talking about food, um, food insecurity in the U.S. is on the rise, and especially as it relates to teens. Uh, this is a study that was just published last Wednesday, um, and they, they followed 1,500 adolescents 
from the Family Life Activity Sun Health and Eating Study that was collected by the National Cancer Institute. And, you know, some some interesting cause and effect here, because what they're saying is that if you're food insecure as a teenager, it adds to your stress level and the stress level adds to more food insecurity. So it's like a no win. Yes, Phil, there there are nine million children in the U.S. living in food insecure households. And, you know, I think about um, I think about when I was a kid and uh, I had four children in my family and we would all sit around the table and my mom would put the food on the table, how there was this tendency to want to eat as quickly as you could, um, because you knew that the food was going to run out and you wanted to be able to get seconds before it was gone. So, you know, um, I did not grow up in a in a food insecure household the way we are talking about these children. But when we think about that tendency to want to fill up quickly when food is presented in front of you can present lifelong challenges, even when they become adults and can afford to buy food, um, those eating patterns stick with them. They do. And, you know, what what's really important is that people are really paying attention, having mindful eating, if you would, whether it's around the dinner table, whether it's going out to eat and really connecting the whole mind-body connection um, when we eat. Because without that, there are serious consequences, as you point out, Sally, for, for the rest of people's lives. Um, so, you know, the world is abuzz about chat GPT, um, lots of controversy about it. Everything from, you know, newscasters using it and, you know, what's the protections around it. But there's a new um, research that came out uh, from a university in Poland um, that what they did is they prompted um, into chat GPT meal recommendations for specific food allergies. And uh, this was done in January of this year. Uh, there have been some updates to chat GPT since then. Uh, but uh, basically what, what they found is that chat GPT wasn't always correct, number one. And probably the most alarming aspect of it is that people feel that whatever comes out of chat GPT, and, and we've seen it before, you know, with Google, 50% of what's on Google is right, 50% is wrong, but we don't know which one is right and wrong. Uh, same thing here. And... Um, people get overconfident um, when they when they type into the chat and get the answers. They focused on 14 food allergens, um, cereals that contained gluten, um, eggs, fish, uh, peanuts, soybeans, milk, dairy products, nuts, and so on. And what they what they found is more often than not, um, it was wrong. In four out of 56 cases, that's 7%, the meal included a forbidden allergen. Um, in this case, it was nuts in a nut-free diet. Um, also, they included almond milk in a nut-free diet, which obviously is not right. Um, also, some of the diets were too low in calories to provide necessary level of nutrients. Third is lack of variety in the meals was another issue. Um, so, you know, we, we really have to go back to the fact that if your supermarket has a retail dietitian, go talk to them, you know, just don't rely on digital technology or digital tools to be able to spit out, you know, what you're thinking about because these language models, um, can be dangerous. 
Absolutely, Phil. Um, and there is, you know, there is definitely um, a future for technology. We know that um, in assisting in this type of this type of uh, recipe creation and meal planning. But we cannot forget how important the human aspect of that is. Um, the dietitian is able to relate to um, a shopper with empathy and um, to know personally what their case is. You know, I also think about children. We have so many children now that have food allergies. And I think about, you know, working with children and teaching them how to eat safely and to to be able to spot um, allergens on their own. So there are a lot of different layers to this where I feel that shoppers really still need that human connection. Absolutely. And and also, if um, if our viewers want to get more information, go to retaildietitians.com. You can find out a lot about what retail dietitians do. Also, Spoon Guru, a company that we've worked with now for five or six years, uh, just announced uh, last week, the end of last week, that they are partnering uh, with Google Cloud Marketplace. And what's interesting about that is Spoon Guru um, really has probably the best um, algorithm that's out there to ensure, and it started out with food allergies, to ensure that all those products um, that are coming up on retailers' websites are correct. Um, so it's really important. If you want to know more about that, just go to spoon.guru and um, and you could read all about their partnership with Google. And um, re just reading from the release, Spoon Guru's proprietary algorithm provides unrivaled accuracy when it comes to matching people with the right foods for their needs and includes um, allergies for increased accuracy. Um, so check that out if if you're concerned at all. Um, and, you know, they're far ahead of chat GPT. Um, so, you know, there, there's an interesting um, rec cook, for lack of a better word, uh, Cassie Young, um, who on TikTok um, has been doing um, different meals, uh, different Asian-American, Native Hawaiian and Pacific meals. And her step-by-step -step cooking tutorials have racked up more than 37 million likes it attracted the producers over at Good Morning America that had her come on. Uh, but what's the learning for just about every retailer, grocery retailer that's out there when we look at what she's doing on TikTok? Well, Phil, as you know, we are in Asian American, Native Hawaiian and Pacific or Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And so this is a great time to spotlight a creator like this, a TikTok creator like this, Cassie Young, um, who has 37 million likes on her step-by-step -step tutorials on how to cook Asian dishes. We have uh, over 20 million people in the U.S. that identify as Asian, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander. That's according to the 2022 U.S. Census. Um, and we as Americans love Asian food, um, but we don't always know how to replicate those wonderful dishes. We don't know where to get those ingredients. We don't we we just don't know how to do it unless someone like Cassie Young shows us. So, you know, as a retailer, um, Cassie Young um, is a great is a great opportunity for you to share this kind of content, these kinds of 
um, creators out there that are showing your shoppers how to make these dishes, but also showing them where to find these agreed ingredients in your store. And if you don't have the exact ingredients, you know, what is a good substitute for those? Or showing people how you can take this beef with broccoli dish, this Asian dish, and turn it into a plant-based dish. There's a lot of opportunity to embrace what creators are doing on TikTok and apply that to what's in your store and your shoppers. And also what a, what a lot of retailers have done, especially during the pandemic, is they put up their own recipes and so on. And that's great if you've got somebody who's good at it. Uh, but if not, um, use what's on TikTok. Why not? You know, just follow follow those TikTok influencers with great recipes that you like. And, you know, you save some money, you save some production value, and uh, you get that message out there with a more authentic way. So I think that's, you know, really important. Um, the White House um, created this challenge. We know that. Um, called the White House Challenge to End Hunger and Build he Healthier Communities. It's a call for food retailers, e-commerce platforms, and manufacturers to help American consumers make healthier choices. Um, there are five pillars to the program. Pillar three is to empower all consumers to make and have access to healthy choices. And what this report is, talks about is that uh, the way to do that is digital, you know, use digital content to be able to help your customers. Again, just as we talked about with TikTok, using some of those influencers for recipes. Well, again, you know, if hopefully you've got retail dietitians in your stores, if you don't, um, you know, go out there and and hire one uh, to be able to get those messages out there on your website, in your newsletters, because I think that's going to be the key to to really have people understand how to change their nutrition behavior. Absolutely. And we really do need the food industry to be a part of this challenge. Um, they, they can be the most influential, influential ones in helping us eat healthier. You know, if retailers ask themselves, like you said, what dishes are popular? What are trend? What's trending on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram? What are people attracted to? And find a way to show your shoppers how they can afford to make those and how they can make them healthier as well. I agree. I agree. Um, we, we're all in this together, and if we're going to change, you know, the health of America, um, it starts with the retailers. And it goes right through to our home. So let's empower those shoppers as best we can. Uh, thanks, Sally. Uh, declining Supercenter square footage means more pressure on available merchandising spaces. Steve Zurich, analyst thought leader at Nielsen IQ, explains how retailers need to shift their thinking to properly place items on the shelf for success. Take a look at what he had to say at the recent CMA webinar. You know, we're seeing declines in square footage at super centers, at supermarkets, dollar stores um, are changing a little bit. Drug stores are changing um, on a magnitude that's, you know, in the double digits. And with that change, it's putting more pressure on the available merchandising space in the stores. So what that means is that there is going to be a shift in how um how retailers are thinking about those categories, how they're thinking about category management, um, and 
it's going to be uh, a little bit more difficult, I think, to uh, to get items on the shelf. Proving how you're going to grow the category, proving your incrementality is going to be key because that space, while it's getting smaller uh, square footage wise and there's more pressure there, there are also some things that have fundamentally changed since 2019 that have been a result of the pandemic that are changing and adding to the number of pressures that are that are on the shelf. On today's bullseye, you know that old saying that there's nothing new under the sun? Well, it seems like the folks over at Heinz listened to that a little too much. At last week's National Restaurant Association show held in Chicago, they introduced the Heinz Remix Dispenser. Now, this is a freestanding touchscreen-operated machine which allows customers in restaurants, probably mostly in fast food, to select from a range of bases. Now, forget about how ugly the machine is for a second, but what you can do is you can have Heinz ketchup, ranch dressing, 57 sauce, and barbecue sauce. Then you personalize it with one or more what they call enhancers. That could be jalapeno, smoky chipotle, buffalo, and mango. And you can also customize it to be at the preferred intensity level. That's low, medium, or high. Now, Heinz says that there are over 200 potential sauce combinations. Looks like it's a takeoff of the highly successful Coca-Cola freestyle self-serve dispenser that seems to be everywhere. Fast food restaurants, restaurants, movie theaters, even private clubs, including the ultimate celeb community, Bighorn, in Palm Desert, California. Colleges, hotels, offices, Target stores, the list goes on and on. So I can see why Heinz copied the concept. Alan Kleinerman, vice president of disruption for Kraft Heinz, said in the announcement, that Heinz Remix is a great example of this consumer-first approach to innovation. We're changing the game for food service operators and sauce lovers. Dipping, he says, will never be the same. Well, with Heinz Remix, it's more than just a sauce dispenser. For me, it's an insights engine and business model enabler that will help Kraft Heinz understand and frankly, respond to those consumer trends and flavor preferences in real time. Who knows? Maybe our next new sauce combination that you or I develop are going to come from a super fan using the Heinz Remix. Let's forget about all the potential problems that this machine could have. Clogging up the nozzles, the sauce forming a crust around the nozzle, as I've seen in those ludicrous gallon plastic jars with that pump on top and the mess that forms, frankly, when a customer moves their fries or whatever away from the spout and then let their custom sauce drip, drip, drip. Yep, these are all problems, but they're operational and ones that can be overcome. What I think is genius about this Remix Center is what Kleinerman alluded to without revealing too much. What I believe is that these dispensers, which are already run by microprocessors and whatever, probably have a chip, uh, definitely have a chip, that sends a signal back to Heinz or the food service operator and reports on exactly what people are making. 
Now, that's the flavors, the portion size, the intensity, and just more metrics. Wow. That's a dearth of information that could give both the operator and Heinz some very valuable metrics and information. Imagine being able to segment by day part the kids of combination used for breakfast, snacks, lunch, and dinner. Yes, I expect that we will see new bottles of Heinz sauces on supermarket shelves, as he implied. But more important is to be able to profile the sauces that are used by location and therefore being able to have insight into that consumer and their demographics that go to that location at what time of day and what quantity is being used. Wow. Oh, I said that already. This is one idea that I wish I would have thought of. I wasn't a fan of the Kraft Heinz merger, but I may have to change my mind if this new company is going to focus its efforts on digital customer solutions like this one. Maybe coming up with a custom Kraft mac and cheese remix dispenser? I hope not. But let's see what happens. Stay tuned. The Lemper Report is all about inspiring ideas, making our industry think, and challenge each other. Let's think about being the shopper and, frankly, how we can bring our supermarkets and our restaurants and everybody who sells food closer to meet their needs. I hope you'll join us on next week's installment of the Lemper Report Live right here when we focus on the biggest and the best insights and the, those things that really matter for our industry. Be sure to visit supermarketguru.com for the latest marketing analysis issues, and trends. And don't forget, I'm looking forward to seeing you right back here next Monday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern for more.